The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Tone Factory Recording Studios in Las Vegas, the Craft House Brewery, Moonshot.com, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Well, the Runaways burst onto the Los Angeles rock music scene in the mid-70s as a totally unexpected and great surprise. The teen band recorded a handful of albums before going their separate ways. Before becoming headliners, they opened for such bands as Cheap Trick, Van Halen, Talking Heads, and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The band featured founding members Sandy West and Joan Jett, and eventually Lita Ford, and my next guest, Cherie Curry. Curry's latest solo project, called Boulevards of Splendor, is now a digital release. Let's welcome her from Los Angeles. Cherie, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. You know, my sister lives in Henderson, my twin sister, Marie. Oh, really? Oh, I I had no idea. I suppose you, well, you're not seeing her anytime uh, lately, but I, I suppose when you visit Vegas, that's one of your stops. It certainly is. Absolutely. Nice. Well, congratulations on the digital version of Boulevards of Splendor. It, you know, when it came out on vinyl, I I couldn't believe it was very impressive collaborations that you had going on this project. Well, thank you, Jim. And again, I got to tip my hat to Matt Sorum because, you know, I'm just a chainsaw carver from the valley, you know. (laughs) He brought in all of his buddies and, and I was just really honored and humbled that they would want to participate in this record and they they were excited about it and I love it I think it's a great album you brought up the word humbled I mean at this point in your career it it really is sort of isn't it because there are so many rock stars now who just love you and what you did with the runaways and all the solo work beyond that oh my goodness you know I it's it, it's lovely to think that it, it is, and uh, I've been very very yes humbled and impressed by it because I thought the Runaways yeah. had all but been forgotten until you know uh, a handful of years back when they wanted to make a movie. Right. Um. So it's it's really great because we went through a lot, you know, and uh, and it's it, I think if we get to just held it together for one more record, that's what Kim Fowley used to say. But, you know, we just couldn't. In the film project, what was it like to be part of that? What did you think of the job that Dakota Fanning did portraying you? Well, when I first met Dakota, she came to see me play at the Roxy. And she was sick. She had like 101 fever. But this little girl, she looked exactly like she did when she did War of the Worlds. And I just thought, oh, my God, this, she's like a little kid, child. <laughs> you know, but within within a year... She had blossomed, and she was the same age I was when I joined the Runaways, and she is my favorite actress. I mean, she really, honestly, is, is talk, talk about iconic. She's going to go down as an iconic actress. I love her. I was going to ask if the actresses with you guys on the set, if, if maybe they were nervous with you there portraying real people, or did you put them at ease? Oh my gosh, Dakota would come over to my house and we'd sing together and she wanted to know everything about me. And and, it, and she even, it was funny because when they first started shooting and I noticed she was kind of whispering and I, and of course now for some, I guess I've come out of my 
teenage shell because I've got a somewhat of a boisterous voice now. But she said, well, that's the way you were. And she had studied all the the interviews. And I mean, she was absolutely right, even to the point where she used her left hand to write instead of her right. You know, she really she wanted it to be as, as perfect as she could make it. And I think she did a great job. Kristen Stewart as well. Just killed it as Joan, and and Michael Shannon was mesmerizing as Kate Valley. Well, to get back to the album, Matt Sorum of Guns N' Roses, a pretty intense dude in the studio, is he not? He is. He is a true professional, and you don't screw up with Matt. Matt Matt just, uh, uh, yeah, he's one of those, he's tough. Very, very tough, but he also allowed me to be myself, which had never happened before. Except for Kim Fowley in The Runaways, where he really didn't seem to care. He liked to grab, you know, that teenage rebellion type deal. But, but, uh, but Matt really made me feel at ease that I didn't have to, you know, change the way I sang. Or he was great to work with. I've interviewed Juliette Lewis, who's one of the people who are, who is on this album. And I mean, we all know what a great actress she is. But man, this girl can rock, can't she? I've seen several performances of hers. You know what? When she came to the studio, I even brought flowers and all that. And then she asked me to leave. She kicked me out of my own. Just my presence <laughs> there made her nervous. Uh, right. But Kristen Stewart did the same thing. And I and I looked at I looked at my son who was involved in both projects, and I was like, really? I mean, I I was I was kind of surprised that I guess. I think I'm one of the most jovial, positive people, but I, I don't know. I mean, Dakota demanded that I be there when she did her vocals and stuff. But yeah, Kristen kicked me out and so did Juliet Lewis. <laughs> In the beginning of your career, I know that you've said this and several other female artists, I, um, Girls in the Go-Go's or, or the Bangles and other female bands, where singer Susie Quattro was such a huge inspiration for you in the beginning. Are you kidding? She's still an inspiration to me. And I was there. I mean, I saw that, look, Joan and I were so young, and Lita as well. We didn't even know who the hell we were. So I took on the persona of of uh, David Bowie. She took on the persona of Susie Quattro and Lita, the persona of Richie Blackmore. Because until we could find out who we were, on stage we had to because it was our only mechanism to survive up there and uh, Susie was so influential that uh, if it wouldn't have been for Susie I know I know there wouldn't have been a Joan Jett or the Runaways I know that it's interesting you say that about portraying someone else because even Bowie himself was so shy at least in the beginning that he was portraying all these different characters and it made him more comfortable on stage don't you think what Jim that is I never even realized that till you just said that right now and you are absolutely yeah. right you know, Ziggy Stardust was a persona so was the great you know the thin white Duke I didn't eat that never even came to mind but you are absolutely correct you would see him on talk shows like Dick Cavett or something like that and he you could barely hear him because he was just so so shy and what a brilliant man oh yeah God brilliant 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 but yes, yeah, so Susie Quattro, absolutely, uh, she kicked the door down for us girls, no doubt about it. And by the way, there one of the songs on on your album is "The Air That I Breathe," which is was such a great surprise and just fantastic. Thank you. I had always wanted to do that song, 
Uh, I've loved it since it first came out when I was a kid. And Matt was just asking me if there were any songs that I would really like to do from the time I was uh, growing up. And that was my first choice. And boy, he really did it justice with the string section and, and really kept very close to the Hardys version. And, and here's an interesting thing about that song. I, I had just watched the Hollies documentary. I don't know if you saw that, but Alan Clark, who sang The Air That I Breathe, said that originally he did not want to do this song because actually Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers did the first version, and it was so good that Alan Clark was kind of scared to do it. Wow, I did not I did not see that nor have I heard that. That would have been a tragedy had the Hollies not caught it cuz it was it's still one of those magical songs that, you know, cuz I listen to classic rock when I'm carving and uh it's when it, whenever it does come on, it changes the whole mood, the atmosphere around me. It's just one of those magical songs. And I, before I let you go, because we're limited on time here, but the uh, you, you as a chainsaw artist, I don't know how many people have checked out your website, but they need to do that because the work is just amazing. Well, thank you, Jim. You know, and by the way, that site is 20 years old. And unfortunately, the management that I had way back uh, 20 years ago wouldn't uh wasn't able to give me passwords when we when we parted ways so there is a little camera icon under the main photograph of me with the praying eight foot praying woman that's a new feature camera icon click on that takes you to albums and i show you even how to do it start to finish albums and albums of my more recent work chainsaw art is i'll be doing it until i can't lift to that saw that's how much i love doing it so I, I really am very lucky to have something like that, uh, you know, that keeps me in this business, able to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. It's beautiful. Cherie Curry's uh, Boulevards of Splendor, v- the digital version with some bonus tracks on Blackheart Records. And look, I, it was such an honor to talk to you. And I, I just hope that you stay healthy and we see you here in Vegas at some point. Well, thank you, Jim. I definitely hope I meet you, too. And have a wonderful day, and you two stay well. You know, some of the early photos of the band, the Runaways, I always thought that they looked a little like a roller derby team. Just me? Maybe. That does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. Fake